Renaissance family for allowing Joe and me to share this evening as we discuss the next stage of the disciples' journey, experiencing revelation. Um, I would also like to take this opportunity to express our gratitude for the encouragement and love you all have provided our family during the short time that we have overlapped with you here. We're excited about the next phase, but we will certainly do all great things. Um, as many of you know, our family has been on quite a journey over the last five years. One that has, in fact, mostly mirrored the discipleship journey that we've been studying lately through Renaissance, so perhaps not quite as linear as portrayed here. Uh, we were ordinary people living a comfortable life in Arkansas when, in early 2017, Joe and I felt a call to church planting. This was somewhat unexpected as we had thought that our formal ministry days were mostly behind us. But 18 months later, after much discernment and preparation, here we were moving our family into an East Boston condo, feeling confident in God's calling and excited to start a new chapter. We had already begun to talk with our future teammates, Fab and Kim, even before um, officially moving, thanks to a mutual friend who had connected us uh, based on our common interest in church planting. And we anticipated teaming up with other East Boston families once we were here and settled. However, almost immediately after we moved, in the fall of 2018, we began to face obstacles on a personal and spiritual level that we had never experienced before. We were definitely feeling the struggle on a daily basis, <laughs> every day. Um, though tempted many times to turn back, we did try to stay, um, stay open to God's leading and not give up too soon. By early 2020, we had finally gotten into a rhythm with a small house church and had begun connecting with Renaissance as well by that point. So throughout all of this time, we were constantly learning new things, things that felt brand new, incredibly challenging, and not always positive or inspiring. Um, we often felt disoriented, struggling to figure out which way was up, and just trying to stay afloat emotionally and relationally. And that was all before COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told Jacob uh, earlier this week we had lunch, and I said that you know when I first saw this at the January uh, gathering, Drew was speaking, and then the next month uh, Jacob was speaking. I'll be honest, I sat like on the front row. And I don't remember a thing they said. I'm sorry, guys. But it's like I was seeing my life played out in front of me. And I was wondering, when does this end? That's how bad it was. Um, I couldn't really show it in the moment. Because I had to get back up and leave worship. Have you ever been there? Um, I was just trying my best not to melt on the front row. Um, but, and if that is your experience at any point, I just want you to know you're in good company, not just with me, not just Lauren, but with all of our heroes of faith in the Bible. They've all been there before. Um, so we're talking about experiencing revelation tonight. So Lauren, tell us what it's not. Yes, yes to understand uh, revelation better, we do think it would be helpful to identify a couple of things that it's really not. Um, I would suggest that really revelation is not always awe-inspiring. Many of us hear the word revelation and naturally think about John's vision of heaven, um, maybe an audible voice from God giving some, someone specific directions for their life, or maybe foretelling some amazing thing that's going to happen many years down the road. Um, and while I absolutely believe that these experiences are real and possible, um, I certainly do not believe them to be the only ways that a person can receive revelation. 
In fact, I would suggest that most revelations show up, at least initially, as neither feeling particularly supernatural nor super spiritual. Some of the most challenging, uh, changing, life-changing revelations I've experienced have come through simple moments of personal insight and reflection, perhaps while reading a book or a conversation with a friend. Now, because of my relationship with God, I myself do often attribute these things to be nudges by my creator. But for a person who is not in conscious relationship with God, they may not recognize these moments as being associated with the divine at all, regardless of if a revelation is credited to God or not. I do believe that he is always communicating with us through simple and ordinary experiences in everyday life. And just as the method of revelation is often nothing spectacular, I would suggest that revelations might not always lead us to outcomes that we would label as particularly, particularly spiritual. Perhaps it might be a gift of insight for the purpose of healing um, a relationship with a family member or breaking a destructive pattern or overcoming a particular fear that has paralyzed us for too long. I have come to believe that God is just as concerned with our relational well-being and with our mental health as he is our spiritual development. In fact, I believe they are all completely intertwined. Revelations that help us shift our own thoughts and our own behaviors and our own choices can change the way that we function in community and thus change the community. In this way, quiet, personal revelations can affect the masses. They just move in slow and simple ways. I'd also add, I think sometimes we confuse revelations with callings. Uh, maybe we say it this way. All callings are revelations, but not all revelations are callings. Because you notice you where revelation, experiencing revelation is on this arc. Uh, it's after the call, and it's after somebody, you know, learns new strengths, feels the struggle sort of thing. So it's almost like revelations, the, the point of it is about renewing the call that was originally given. Um, and so kind of the definition we kind of came up with as we were preparing for this is kind of those deep spiritual insights that offered by God, usually that bring clarity uh, or a fresh understanding to whatever the recent circumstances that have been happening, and maybe also the uh, the sum of all, all that you've been learning, too. Um, people have called this an awakening or a eureka kind of moment. Um, but basically, it's the epiphany that happens when you're able to put all the pieces together for the first time and realize that it's just the pieces you have so far. So it may not even be a full picture. But you're probably closer than you were before if you experienced the revelation. In fact, that's what I even add is that revelation almost comes as a comprehensive sort of thing. So whatever I'm experiencing right now in a revelation, it's not just interpreting what's happened most recently, but it's actually I'm seeing the layers of revelation I've had over and over in our, in our life. So almost like, I'm sure somebody's going to talk about this at some point, but this looks very linear, but actually this is a cycle. So, you know, 43 uh, years old, you've been around this cycle a few times, and you say, oh, I remember when I was there, and I remember when I was there, but they all happen in different seasons of our life. And so once you get back to experiencing revelation again, it's like you get this image of, of like the spiraling, and you can like all the layers of revelation over and over again, learning and learning and kind of moving upwards uh, towards heaven. And the thing about it is, if you would say, well, I don't want that to happen, 
I just want to be able to experience revelation and to stay right there. Well, unfortunately, that means you are static and you're no longer growing. I've known so many Christians, probably you have too, who it's like they've already figured out everything they need to know for their life and that's as far as they're going to get. And so we want those moments to like invite this, but realize when we're inviting revelation or inviting this cycle to happen in our life, we're also inviting the struggle the new callings and the stretching and the learnings and all those things. And so uh, I think what we really get as we talk about this picture of the hero's arc, of the disciple journey, we can look back in Scripture and we can identify uh, and even relate to different moments in our hero's journey and their faith. Um, so for me, a big one was always Elijah. First Kings 19, Elijah goes running away from Queen Jezebel. He's afraid for his life. And he gets there, and he basically wants to meet God to complain. He just says, you know, no one's with me. I'm all alone. They want to kill me. He just has all these lists of complaints. And, you know, that's the moment where God shows up not in the wind, not, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but the low, gentle whisper. And that's when the moment he puts his cloak over his head and walks out of the cave of the mountain. And he again gives his complaint to God. And God's response and his revelation at that moment is he's not alone. There are 7,000 who've never bowed the knee to Baal. And on top of that, he's got a partner and he doesn't even know it. His name was Elisha. And he was supposed to go find this guy and basically recruit him to his ministry. And then, of course, this is just this big watershed moment in his life and leads him towards this great uh, ministry. He's renewed once again. So that's just one example. Uh, one of the stories that I've come to deeply appreciate is the one of Hagar, the young mm -hmm. Egyptian servant of Sarah and Abraham. Uh, to me, she kind of represents those who exist in circumstances where they really have no rights, those who are abused and abused by others with no regard for their individual identity or value as a human. Uh, many of the people I work with on a daily basis have some, at some point in their lives, um, been objectified or treated severely in severely cruel ways, um, kind of similar to what Hagar experienced, which makes the story especially um, dear to my heart. So in Genesis 16, we find Hagar running away after being involuntarily impregnated by her master and then beaten by her mistress. While she's alone in the desert, God shows up in the flesh to talk to her and to comfort her and to speak to her of both the present and the future. This experience is new for her, a person of authority engaging with her with respect and honor and kindness. And then comes my favorite verse. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That's so beautiful. How very important it is that we as humans are seen, especially in moments of despair, and met with encouragement and not judgment. So this interaction with the Christ gives her the strength to return to her circumstances, which have not changed, with a new sense of identity and purpose and hope. That's, that's a good point. It's, the revelation doesn't change the circumstance, does it? And so you got... Elijah in a moment of fear, Hagar in a moment of despair, and then I see Peter getting his revelation in a moment of shame. It's because Peter's revelation probably came 
whenever he denied Jesus in the high priest's courtyard. We don't get the dialogue with Peter uh, that we do with those other two stories about what he was thinking. But all we know is we see him after the risen Christ appears to him. He is now the opposite of what he once was. He, is, he was shameful. Now he's unabashedly proud and leading the church. Remember, he spoke to thousands of people. He led the early church. And a great story in Acts chapter 4, he and John were arrested and pulled into the Sanhedrin. And i got to think, is this the same group of religious people who are like, when he was before, he was ashamed of who Jesus is. Now he's there saying, uh, you decide whether or not we're going to listen to you or listen to God. We, you can't, we can't help but speak about this Jesus. That's how fervent he was. And it just makes me think, wow, what a revelation that turned his whole life around and, of course, just shaped the rest of the church. And in all these stories, what we're getting is these windows into, if you, if you can borrow a phrase from the story of Paul, it's like, um, it's like something like scales falls from their eyes. And they can see clearly for the first time. Again, their circumstances haven't changed. But they see their purpose. They see what they're about. Um, they feel God's provision. They feel forgiveness again. They feel this unconditional acceptance in their life. They, they see their circumstances now in a new light. They receive renewed hope. They return to their life with passion and joy. Who wouldn't want that? So if that's what revelation is, how do we ever get to that point of ever experiencing it? Somebody please tell me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, I really do think there are some things we can do to kind of like create the scenario around revelation for ourselves without actually orchestrating it. Right. Um, yeah, I would say that we definitely can't orchestrate revelation for ourselves. Um, but we can practice. Um, there are certainly practices that we can implement that help us to position ourselves um, into a space of being ready to receive revelation should God share it. Most of these, I would say, have to do with life rhythms and personal disciplines, we might use that word in the church, um, that lead to and require humility of heart, openness of mind, and willingness to grow. So engaging in just about any sort of counseling, you know I'm an advocate for counseling, um, whether it's individual, group, family, whatever kind of counseling, um, it's an excellent place to begin. There is really something sacred that happens when an experience um, or feeling is verbalized out loud in a safe space that's really designated as judgment-free and exists solely for your benefit and healing. It's completely for you in that moment. Um, I have the privilege of Austin getting to witness revelations happening in the moment with the people that I work with. It's really incredible um, when someone sees themselves or their circumstances in a brand new light, and it truly is sometimes as if scales have fallen off of their eyes. Um, and it's almost never the the clinician providing the revelation. We just ask the questions and listen and give people the tools to connect the dots for their own stories. Um, but in addition, in addition to actually engaging in the self-work with a counselor um, or a group face-to-face, -face, there are countless tools available that we can use on our own to help us learn about ourselves and the systems that we function within. So for instance, Joe and I have benefited immensely from studying the Enneagram, which we might have mentioned to you at some point. Um, <laughs> 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 
um, which is a model that addresses how our internal motives and past experiences affect the way that we make decisions or engage with um, other people. We also have enjoyed learning about internal family systems. I just shared this with Christine the other day um, through a podcast. Um, internal family systems helps us uh, to shed light on generational patterns and kind of their unconscious and often unintentional influence on how we function from day to day. Um, so if, if you're interested in books or podcasts um, about either of those tools or, or others, um, we will happily provide you a list and might talk about it over and over. And over. You know, one of, the things, <laughs> one of the things we actually do all the time when we talk about internal family systems uh, is whenever we go visit our families, we like spend uh, you know the next four or five hours in the car on the plane ride detoxing. Debriefing. Yeah, debriefing, like just trying to figure out, like notice the patterns. And I really think that that kind of introspection leads us to a place when we're now like, oh, I see how this is all coming together. You see how that's kind of leading it up to, or leading up to this moment of revelation. And obviously, another one that shouldn't be uh, that hard to uh, grasp here in a moment of, of we're gathered in uh, church, we're gathered with other Christians, other leaders, is just spiritual practices. So having a regular spiritual practice, that's, that's going to be the best thing to get you in place of revelation. Um, and I found that for me, it's been in uh, an active prayer life um, or an active study life. Uh, but it's not so much about the words that I'm saying. Sometimes when we say prayer, we think, okay, I'm praying a list or I'm asking God for things. It's more of the moment you sit with God. So another word that you know some people might use is meditation, but it's still the same idea. That we're being drawn into a deeper connection with God. And in that moment, if we can quiet our minds, quiet our spirits, I think that's when we're going to be more apt to hear the low, gentle whisper of the Spirit. Um, some of the things that work well for me, if that's uh, foreign to you, is practicing a breath prayer. Um, Drew did it before we even got started here, you know, but you just... You're breathing in and you're kind of like thinking a particular phrase and you're breathing out another phrase. So one of those is Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can do the same with any phrase or song, song lyrics or anything like that, but something that kind of like gets me to calm down and gets me to be in, in the mode. Child. Another one that I don't know if we talk about enough is examine. So this is a prayer that's usually done at the end of the day. And it's where you're sitting with God and letting God kind of bring to mind all the events and conversations and circumstances, the patterns of the day. And you're letting God put together the pieces. Um, there are great resources out there. If you just want to look, just uh, Google examine, you'll be able to identify some of those things. But overall, I think really what we're trying to do is like just get ourselves into a place where revelation can happen. But I, again, like Lauren said, you can't really make it happen, but we can be in a place that's more ready and uh, act, uh, more prepared to have it happen. Um, so, as we've been sharing, um, I'm hoping that moments from your own life uh, have come to mind where you've experienced revelation, um, and I would just say, kind of as we're wrapping up, if, if something has come to mind, I would encourage you to share it as we're having dinner and chatting. Um, if it's not something that you want to speak about out loud that you want to spend more time on, I would say reflect on it at home just 
this week, you know, as it comes to mind to, but to be able to sort of name some of those moments that you've had in your own life, um, moments that really helped you pivot um, the direction that you were going or how you were viewing something in your own life. I've got one. Can I share? <laughs> I've got the mic. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why it didn't work. Um, but this has actually happened more than once in my life. Where we've been the people who've come and been around something. And the good news is usually when I leave, it takes off. <laughs> and that's a frustrating place to be sometimes. But honestly, one of my lowest moments here, um, it was in October of 2019. Um, and I was sitting on the floor, meditating, um, through tears. And I felt God calling me to that passage in 1 Kings 19. And I heard the words that he that that God spoke to Elijah. I heard them for me. You're not alone. There are others in this city. Um, and then, like that was a Wednesday. And then I don't know. The next day, a couple of days later, basically it was that weekend. Fab said, "Hey, we're going to go over to Waltham. We're going to check out this micro church." You guys were answered to prayer. Uh, and I fought it. Um, I, I just was like, oh, this surely can't be up for us. Uh, and yet, that, that was God's plan for us to be connected with you guys. So if we, hopefully we've been an encouragement, and you guys definitely have been an encouragement to us. Um, and we're just really grateful to be connected with you guys. So thank you so much.